All right. Welcome this evening, everyone, to the 20th or 21st installment. 21st. Venti was last week, my friend. So, Venti Uno. Venti Uno. That's right. 21st episode of Ocho and the Sib this fine uh, Wednesday evening in September. Can you believe it's September already? I can't believe it's September already. Is it like you get to this time of year and it's, a, it's amazing how you wake up and you need a sweater and a hoodie and maybe winter gloves. And then by noon, you're <laughs> looking for your Bermuda shorts. It's just from one end of the spectrum to another and it's all within six hours yeah and then in six yeah. hours later you're looking for those mittens again yeah exactly you're you start seeing snowflakes falling from the sky but uh yeah you know, so they, yeah you're talking about snowflakes i think i got a news alert that denver i believe had winter weather advisory yesterday yep yeah, yes it, yes they did Times are changing very uh very interesting i don't know if we're going to include that uh include that headline but the summer uh, either of way, COVID yeah. is turning into the winter of Denver in September. Yeah, exactly. So for for anybody listening outside of Connecticut, not sure if we have many of those, but um, if you've ever wondered why New Englanders are kind of bitter all the time, it's because of our weather. Um, our weather changes very frequently, unfortunately. I think our weather makes us tougher in New England, to be honest with you. I mean, people talk about the, the attitude that people have in Boston and New York has a huge reputation for their attitudes, right? Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, sometimes you got to toughen up. Yeah. Toughen up. It's fucking 13 below zero and your, your car battery died and you got to get out there and get to work. I don't know. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had pretty interesting swings in weather. Um, I mean, usually in the winter, the winter just sucks. There's really nothing you can do about that. But I've had cases. I remember years ago. I, I don't know exactly how many years ago. Maybe you know, more than seven years ago. Maybe eight years ago. Um, I remember going to the shooting range here in January uh, in a town nearby where where we live. Um, I just started dating my wife at the time, and went to the shooting range with a couple guys that I know. And it was literally third week in January, and it reached seventy degrees that one day that we were at the range. It was absolutely the most beautiful day I've ever experienced in any winter here in, in New England. I was outside in a t-shirt, firing off rounds from an AR-15. Was it January, by chance? Yeah, it was in January. Yeah, it's. I think, I, I don't know. I, I remember hearing this when I was a kid. It, it was referred to as the January thaw, the January thaw. So I, I don't know if that's an actual thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just, it was very strange. But we, we can have those extremes here in New England. It's very rare. Let's let's be very clear about that. But um, yeah, generally speaking, the the weather can just range very very widely here. So that's what kind of makes us a little better than most other people in the rest of the country. Because as I say, you know, if you don't like the weather here in New England, just wait fifteen minutes; it'll change. Usually for the worse. So classic Mark Twain line. Yeah, yeah. Much. The January thaw is a regular is a weather singularity, an event that takes place in a certain date and frequency of occurrence greater than chance would dictate. It doesn't occur every year, but when it does, it usually occurs in mid or late January, primarily in New England and to mm-hmm. a lesser extent than the, the Midwest. But probably, I mean, it talks about New England and this is the first thing that pops up. It has nothing to do with yeah. the fact that it's, it, it's so deceiving because it's like, <clears throat> Because it's like, uh, think of it as like you're, you're stuck in the Sahara Desert and you see off in the distance an oasis and you keep walking toward it. And as you get, as you get there, you know, you see the oasis more and more and you just have hope that, you know, finally you found, you know, an area of refuge and you get there and the oasis is actually there. And then you wake up the next morning and the oasis is gone. And that's exactly how quickly that, that type of weather pattern leaves, leaves this particular area of the country uh, in the dead of winter. And then you're just back to being bitter as hell from the from the shitty winter that ensues after that. So, but whatever, it is what it is. Anyway, so I just wanted to kind of uh, 
update everybody else on how our weather changes here in New England, considering it's September, close to actually the actual official fall uh, date. Um, weather is starting to get cooler, which I guess is welcome relief from the consistent 90 degree weather that we've had here. Oh, and the humidity. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty brutal this this summer here. I was talking to uh, a roofer neighbor of mine who said that we've had some like 36 days this this summer of 90 plus degree heat, wow, which is fairly unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. That's to coincide with the fact that we really haven't gotten much rain. I think we were last I checked it. I think we were down nine inches. Our, which I mean, you say nine inches, it sounds like you'd be underwater, but really scattered throughout. It's really not that. I mean, no, yeah, we're, I, we're I know brooks low. and streams yeah. that are very low. Yeah, yep. Which yeah, is surprising so. because I haven't really heard anything. Uh, I don't really watch too much local news, but I haven't really heard much talked about as far as water water conservation. I mean, I, I know sometimes when we run into instances like this, you'll see that the it'll be like you can't water your lawn. You know what I mean? You're only supposed to, to run your laundry in certain days, and not even you know what I mean. Like there's a lot of kind of scaling back that we do to kind of conserve, but I haven't heard anything about it this year. Has it been going Yeah, on? I hadn't heard anything either. Um, I, I know in California, they'll, they'll basically send the SWAT team after you if you water your lawn uh, wow. in, a, in a period of drought. So, but uh, we haven't gotten to that, to that level of, uh, of, um, of Gestapo here in, in Connecticut as of yet. So I'm sure it'll come in a few years. So anyway, getting on with uh, our typical tradition. What's your, what's your poison for the day? Poison for the day is actually Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. Didn't you tell me about that? I've had it once before. Okay. I, I saw it and it's, it's something that in the, the local place that I go to. They kind of have, you know, it, it cycles where you'll see different things. They don't have it all the time. It's not that pricey of, of a bottle, but it's it is very it's got a history i guess the the distillery goes back before the country even gained independence it's been around that long so it survived the eras of prohibition it's been around for 200 years it's it's also it's a pretty good product uh so that's bourbon whiskey it is bourbon yes bourbon Bourbon. whiskey bourbon so i got (laughs) this is another another bottle that was uh, stashed away in the liquor cabinet Oh, I thought had I was going to see Angel's Envy again. No, I had a, had a, no, I actually fiddled, finished that bottle. I don't have any more Angel's Envy. I'll have to get some more. Uh, rather tasty. No, this is, uh, I also got this for my 40th birthday. It's, uh, it's actually Filipino rum called Tendui. Uh, 15-year rum. A uh, cousin of mine who frequented the Philippines for work, worked for Timex and went there quite a bit. Um, I guess tried this out in the Philippines and uh, decided to get me a bottle for my 40th. So I'm going to try it out. There you go. Not really a big rum drinker, but uh, I guess since I'm married to a Puerto Rican, I should probably get used to it. This is true. What, so what do you mix with? Do you mix it with anything or are you just doing rum on the rocks? No, just doing it on the rocks. So we'll see how, uh, hopefully I don't have any open sources of flame near me because then I'll end up shooting fire out of my mouth. Speaking of which, did you see the video of that? And I've seen it turned into a couple different things. They've played different soundtracks over it. So in, I believe it was the Kenosha, Wisconsin protests. I could be wrong about the location, but it was, the, we call them protests, but I think we discussed this last time briefly and how if it's, if they're basically throwing Molotov cocktails at the police, is it really a protest? So I don't know where the fire was originated. Excuse I didn't me. see that far back, but it was uh, basically, there was a fire uh, in, like starts in the ground. I mean, obviously there's some kind of propellant, whether it's gas or, or, <laughs> flammable Bacardi 151 which you you know I'd be talking about but uh something happens and this guy his feet catch on fire and he starts running did you did you see this no I haven't seen that I I've seen it and I've heard it with Alicia Keys um with her her sound over it uh, this girl is on fire 
when they see this guy just running with his feet on fire. And then I saw it again with uh, Footloose oh, superimposed okay. over it. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to try to find that. Uh, sorry, I had, to, had a couple sneezles that I had to get rid of there. That's so, right. <laughs> Kenosha Rioter with feet on fire. <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah, I'll have to I'll take a look at that one. I'll have to try to post a link to that so people can look at it for their viewing pleasure. So couple couple headlines that it was we, actually uh, shared by 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 President Trump. Oh, I'm sure he would share that something like that. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. So so uh Ocho wants me to try to run the run the show tonight, so we'll see what kind of a shit show it turns out to be. Sorry. With my uh that's okay. With, with me in the driver's seat. Uh so does that make you the navigator? I am the navigator. This is the flight of the navigator. <laughs> Like of the Valkyrie. Um, so one of the headlines I sent you earlier today, which we both thought was kind of kind of a, a comical, was the Trump Nobel Peace Prize nomination. Yeah, I saw that when you sent that. it to me. The first thing that I saw was was you know you always talk about you know it's something that we've talked about before and just in you know not to beat a dead horse, but this whole media bias thing that we've gotten onto the topic a couple times. But you know, like this just goes to show, like it doesn't matter what this guy does, it, it, he's always going to be looked at and. And they're going to find the negative and we could get into this whole book thing in a little while but you know this is somebody who you can find a cure for cancer and they'll still say that an even better example i mean right now with this whole COVID thing for the longest time we we've been talking about how we're in such dire need to be able to come up with a vaccination right we've been talking about this not just us like just as a society we've been saying you know we really need to come together we need to find i really hope that we could find a a vaccination for this whole thing and then you know especially after he talked about it during the the conventions and, and how close we were coming and obviously you know having started this whole thing and you know we'll say march but it really started before that you know over that course we've i, I don't you know you're more into pharmaceuticals than myself we as a country whoa, 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 hold on a or as a society what do, you, what, what do you mean i'm into pharmaceuticals that sounds <laughs> sounds no. like a little illicit there <laughs> No, 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 no. I just mean in your profession and you, you, you know a lot more about pharmaceuticals than I would. I'm talking knowledge based. I'm not talking about dabbling into your uh, mommy's uh, experiences. Yeah, like mommy's little helper getting a couple zannies. But I'm, I'm saying, you know, of course, when you make a statement like that, we're closer to finding a cure. Of course. I mean, you would be in, in rough shape if, you know, five, six, seven months later, you're further away from finding a cure than you were in the beginning, right? So this is just a pretty basic statement. Hey, we're, we're closer to finding a cure than we've ever been before. Yeah. It sounds like a, you know, it's a, it sounds like a rally cry, right? It really does when you, when you th stop and think about it. But we're closer to finding a cure than we were when we have ever been before. Yeah, well, no shit, because we've never looked for a cure before because this thing didn't exist a year ago. So yeah, we're closer than we've ever been. And then the closer we get, you know, now we're saying that there's a lot of, I think there's, I think three, I could be mistaken, but vaccinations that are, I think, in phase three of clinical trials. So the fact that you have these, these vaccines that are, that are that far along in clinical trials, but now the thing is, is that people are starting to talk about that as in it's just, it's being pushed along because they're trying to come up with a cure so Trump could take credit for it. But 
I mean, really, like if, if this happened two months ago, it yeah. would just be, you know, we'd be just championing the fact that, hey, we did it. But now yeah. it's not about that. So now it's like there, there's talk about even, I've even heard it talked about of pushing these vaccinations until after the election. Are you fucking kidding me? So before it was all about finding a cure so we could save lives. But now it's not about lives. It's about the election. And we cannot let yeah. Trump win at all costs, even if that means people dying because they're still contracting this thing. Yeah, it's 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 mind boggling to hear some of some of this. So uh, for for people not familiar with it, so essentially they're looking to fast track these these vaccines as quickly as they possibly can. And there's been quite a bit of controversy with that idea um, within the health community, particularly the infectious disease community, and where where a lot of uh, clinicians are concerned that we are pushing this along too quickly and um, potentially bypassing any safety associated with the vaccines that typically would, would be done in your clinical trial setting. Um, obviously, because of the, because of the, the dire nature of, of the pandemic at this particular point in time, they're trying to push that along as quickly as they possibly can. Um, and in doing so, there's, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, um, unfounded opinion that there's going to be corners that are going to be cut by the vaccine manufacturers. Uh, potentially for these particular products, and in cutting corners, really comes your safety data uh, to see if these if these vaccines, in fact, are safe and not causing any sort of harm uh, to to people who are getting them. Um, just being on Twitter and being more of a follower of a lot of people that are that are in the the infectious disease community, <clears throat> seeing lots of comments um, coming from the community that's actually been quite disturbing. Um, seeing people say. Oh, um, you know, there, we're, we're pushing this along too fast and this needs to be reviewed better and uh, we need to have better data, better safety data. Um, but this didn't um, seem like it was that big of an issue like early summer when, you no. know, pretty much, you know, Rome was burning, so we say. Yeah, no, it wasn't that big of a deal. In fact, people are like, oh, we need a vaccine very quickly, as quickly as we could possibly find it. Which is why um, they implemented these fast track strategies. And what, what what's the name of the operation? Warp speed, I think, is the name of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it's just mind boggling to see the opinions coming from the infectious disease community. Uh, who, if you were to look at their political flavoring or political leaning, probably more liberal than most other subspecialties within medicine. And that's not surpri um, surprising to me because I think, you know, we discovered years ago where it was just the idea of science, science in itself was just kind of more more of the, the left-leaning kind of strategy, whereas conservative was kind of just like, you know, Bible. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. Was... yeah, but the, the infectious disease community uh, in particular, especially since the, the HIV uh, pandemic started back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, where obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, empathy toward that, that particular patient population that really was spearheaded by the infectious disease community because they saw these patients dying left and right. Um, they couldn't get medications to these patients, a lot of them who couldn't afford them. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of historical empathy for, the, for, for infectious disease patients altogether. Um, but I feel like nowadays it's kind of gone in a very political direction. You like uh, everything else. That. Yeah. And it's, it's, I have no proof of this whatsoever, but I feel like if, if the situation was different where Obama was in the presidency right now, they would be praising how quickly we're getting things moving along for these vaccines. Um, and I, and I think a lot of it really just stems from the, just the animosity toward Trump altogether. 
uh, from this particular community that I've seen personally over the past nine months. Um, so I, I just feel like things would be vastly different under under a Democratic president versus a, a, a Republican one, Republican one especially Trump, um, where where they're raising these concerns. Whereas b- before, I you know I don't recall this happening in 2009 with the H1N1 outbreak when the vaccine first came out. I don't recall anybody ever saying anything regarding regarding safety concerns with the with the vaccine for as quickly as we got it. And to be fair, it was a flu vaccine. Now, we, we know the history of flu vaccines and how relatively safe they are uh, in production because we have seasonal flu vaccines every single year. There's really not much different you're going to see from pandemic influenza that you do from seasonal influenza. But do you um, see a difference from, from like flu vaccines from one year to another? Like, are, are there differences as far as maybe the DNA and... No, I mean, as far as like, because there's different strands of influenza, correct? I mean, there's there's many. So I, I know that even if you get a flu vaccine, you're not 100% inoculated from it. I mean, there still might be a strain that kind of gets through. So that being said, like the following year, when the next year's flu shot comes out, is it more kind of, is it kind of tweaked to kind of cover some of the strains that might have been more prevalent the previous year? So the process for the, for the vaccine itself really doesn't change from year to year. What does change is the circulating strains of virus that are included in the vaccine. That's my and question. And the reason why. Yeah, so the, here's, here's the, the thing with the flu vaccine. Every year, um, you need a new flu vaccine because the, the, the predominantly circulating strains can change slightly every year. So they go through something called an antigenic drift. So, which means that they mutate slightly where your antibody response may not be exactly matched to the, the influenza strain that, that, that's used in the vaccine. Um, hence the reason why you need, you need a, a, new, a new vaccine every year. And then on top of that, you have uh, what's called waning immunity, uh, even after you've received, you've received the vaccine. So there's, there's a headline recently, and I'll try to find it, uh, where it, it talks about when should you get your flu shot every year? And realistically, it should, it should be, be September, correct? Uh, usually beginning of October is probably okay. the best time to do it because the flu season really starts, it, not that it, it doesn't get to, to, to epidemic proportions until probably around December or so, um, where you kind of see that, that historical trend from year to year. Uh, with hospitalizations and reports of influenza-like illness, but usually in October you start seeing your your first reports of influenza. I think it's funny so, that we have a, a a date that it's the the flu season kicks off, like football season. Thursday yep. Thursday football season kicks off, and then two weeks after that, flu season kicks off. Yeah, well, I mean, th- think about the timing and and what happens. Just like we've talked about on on many occasions on on this particular podcast, what happens that time of year? What happens with the weather? starts getting cooler in, in the majority of the United States or in the majority of the Northern Hemisphere around the world. Um, and we start heading into, into fall and early winter. So air gets drier. Uh, people start congregating indoors because it gets colder. So your ability to pass some sort of contagious illness like influenza starts increasing. And that only gets more, more aggressive as the, se- as the season goes along or it gets more intense as the season gets along because it gets colder. And people are still congregating indoors more. Also, school starts. So kids are going back to school. They're like Petri dishes and just spreading the shit like wildfire everywhere in the classrooms. Which is now starting as school started. Yeah. Um, you have little ones. Did they start school? So they, they've been in daycare all along. They haven't been uh, 
we we took about a month off around middle of March or so until middle of April, middle toward the end of April or so when we put them back in. So we're just kind of concerned about how high the numbers had gotten. So we're like, you know what, eh, it's probably a good idea for us to keep them out for the time being. And um, knock on wood, they've actually no issues at the daycare that, that they've been going at in terms of kids that, that potentially had tested positive. None had tested positive that we know of. A um, couple scares. So more recently, uh, we had both kids tested at the beginning of last week uh, for COVID just because they both came down with a cold uh, that weekend. So last weekend, um, the very last weekend of, of August, uh, you know, like runny noses, sneezing, um, being congested, nothing major, but we're like, you know what, just for shits and giggles, just to play it safe, let's get them tested. And both came back negative, luckily enough. So knock on Anti- wood so far. Later or no? no, it was the, the nasal swab. Oh, okay. No antibodies. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, so that's the that's the story with the with the COVID vaccine right now. I just feel like it, even even with as quickly as we're trying to push it along, it's still being politicized just for 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 stupidity. As far as I'm concerned, just you know, let the data play out. I, I yeah, I, I understand the safety concern, but if it's reviewed appropriately, we'll see if there are any safety concerns in there. And Do you think that we should be? Like it slow down the fast track, or do you think it's wise to keep kind of plugging forward as we are? No, I I, I don't think there's a reason why we can't we can't push it along as quickly as we could. I mean, to give everybody an idea, when it comes to having something reviewed by the FDA, it can take months to years to get to get some of the to get a new drug that has phase three clinical trial data behind it to get it reviewed by the FDA. And literally, it can cost millions of dollars. Um, now, why does it take so long? I don't know. That That's the ultimate question. But what you have to realize is that they're not reviewing only one drug at a time. They're reviewing multiple drugs at a time. So naturally, it's going to take longer when you're pouring over literally thousands of pages of information from clinical trials, from safety data, from animal studies, pharmacokinetic data, blah, 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 everything. Um, vaccines are no different. So they, they have to take their time to, to painstakingly review the data. Um, could that process be optimized? I don't know. Maybe. I think that that's been the ultimate question in the pharmaceutical industry for years. You know, why is it taking the, the FDA so long to do this? But in a situation like this, it's very unique. And you would, you would think that they would really put priority on this and other drug manufacturers that, that, submit their, their new drug applications or their, or their supplemental new drug applications to the FDA uh, would, would understand that right now there's a couple priorities there in terms of drugs for treatment and potential vaccines. So it is what it is. It's the world that we live in right now. But um, I, don't, I don't see any major issues behind it. Um, I hope it, there aren't any corners that are, that are, being, that are being cut for it. Um, but we'll see how the how the data plays out. <clears throat> Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking to see. I'm looking forward to see. I, I actually know somebody who uh, who volunteer. I don't think they've heard anything yet, or if they have, they haven't really said anything. But they're uh, volunteer for some of the uh, volunteer to, to be a, basically a guinea pig for some of the new <laughs> vaccines. And so I'm curious if they get the call, and I'm even more curious if uh, if they actually follow through with it. Have you have you heard any any people with their conspiracy theories that they're not going to get the they're not going to get the vaccine? No, I haven't I haven't heard anything as far as syphilis in, injecting on the Tuskegee Airmen, um, that that kind of scenario playing out, which I'm sure um, 
as these kind of yeah as these new drugs kind of get put out and more people start taking i mean i have seen people say like that they they're not in favor of taking a vaccine because they think it's just like some kind of way of microchipping you or or something like that i mean if that microchip fits into a syringe and it can go through that i don't know what gauges needles are but like those things are pretty fucking small so if a microchip it's like 22 23 gauge so 23 gauge will say and the, the higher the number the smaller it is correct yeah so a 23 gauge needle shooting through a microchip that's one very very small microchip yeah for the purposes of tracking your every movement you're not that serious you're you're not that important yeah isn't it it's amazing to me that people think they're so important just looking at like social media as a whole like you're going to have that one meme that somebody's going to put up there and somebody's going to be like you know what I, i was wrong all along this was this was right, and I, I, I need to reevaluate my my life and my approach to politics, and uh, maybe uh, maybe being a garbage man doesn't leave me as, as much of a political pundit as I thought I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I could understand people's concerns with, you know, the 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 how quickly they're moving the vaccine along, and they're worried about the potential safety implications. If, like I said, if corners are cut. I get that. I, I fully acknowledge that, that concern with it. Um, but again, it's one of those things where we, we, I guess we have to trust the system, the way it's set up for drug review. And I, I can tell you that I've lived that for, for uh, you know, rather intensely being in the pharmaceutical industry almost six years at this point. And even before that, for the 10 years that I was in clinical practice, I had a very good idea on how clinical trials were run and how, and how, how intricate the detail gets for these clinical trials and all the data and all the data the FDA has to pour over in order to approve these particular products. So I, I understand the process. And I guess for me, it's, it's probably because I understand that it's, it's not that big of a deal for me, but I could understand somebody's concern. I, I really do. But when people start coming up with these cockamamie, you know, conspiracy theories of, oh, it's because, you know, Bill Gates wants to microchip me. Why? Why does, why does Bill Gates want to microchip you specifically? What about you is so special? Like, are you the second coming of Christ that we've all been waiting for from a well, Christian perspective? If you are, they will know after you get your, your injection. Yeah. How do you feel about states like Massachusetts that are requiring flu vaccines? They're requiring them. They're, they're making that mandatory. So, I mean, the mandatory flu vaccines is, it's, it's nothing new. So when I was in practice back in 2011, 2012, uh, we were one of the first hospitals here in the state of Connecticut that actually implemented mandatory flu vaccines for employees. Um, I, I personally, I had a bit of objection to it um, because the, the rationale that that the hospital was using to implement that was to prevent the nosocomial spread of influenza. Um, and what nosocomial means is that the, the in-hospital spread of a certain pathogen. Um, so if you, hear, if you hear a term like, uh, like a nosocomial pneumonia, it's usually a pneumonia that a patient acquires while in the hospital, not they go into the hospital for pneumonia. So 
usually you've been hospitalized for two days and then you start developing symptoms of pneumonia. So you might have picked it up from staff members or staff members, staff members. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that that's the argument the hospital is making to implement uh, the the mandatory flu vaccine for employees, because they want to they want to prevent the nosocomial spread of flu to patients, which I guess you know ideally it sounds good, but I think there's other ways of doing that without forcing somebody to get a vaccine. Now, uh, listen, as as healthcare workers, we should be setting examples for our patients and getting good quality vaccines to prevent illness altogether is one way of basically showing your patients that you're serious about your job and what you're doing. I'm not really one for forcing that on people. I mean, if you're a healthcare worker and you don't believe in vaccines, you should probably reevaluate exactly what the hell you're doing in healthcare altogether. Um, but it's, it's kind of like a, you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So the hospital just implemented it anyway. Um, yeah. We had a lot of people who tried bringing up the whole religious thing, and we yeah. literally consulted with some of the most major religions you could possibly think of. So Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hindu, Buddhism, uh, I don't know, Christians of Latter-day Saints or the Church of Latter-day Saints. The Mormons, all yeah. All sorts of religions, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I run into even where I work, and that's just in, in – regards to not even the vaccines but even with covid testing there's people that are objecting to the testing That's just they're getting they're, i mean the individuals are getting placed on administrative leave because their their beliefs are that they shouldn't be and, and you know people talk to come to their defense and they're saying well you know i mean with vaccines and this and i just i cut them off right there i'm like well here's the difference between a vaccine and, and being tested a vaccine you're being forced to inject something into your body a test isn't injecting anything. It's not going to alter the performance of you. It's not going to change. You know what I mean? So when you're swabbing one of your boogers to find out if you got a cold, yeah, I mean, I find that that's a little bit different than when you're being forced to take, you know, foreign foreign bodies and, and put them into your body. Yeah. I find that, that that's the difference. And that's the difference between, you know, that, that whole argument. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I don't know, like, the, and it's funny because the, that argument that you hear from people about, you know, religious objection are the same people who really don't have much religion that they follow to begin with. Um, Possibly. I don't know, this individual that, I, that I'm referencing, I know he's quite religious. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's, there's cases out there, but I think that the vast majority of people who just start throwing that up, they, they kind of just put it up as like a, it's like a bullshit roadblock. I mean, these are the same people that, that, you know, don't really lead a religious lifestyle for the most part. And yet they're the first ones to, to say, oh no, my, my religion objects to it. We, we've asked people to basically show us documentation in their religious texts saying that they can't get vaccines. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it's kind of odd because in the majority of religions throughout the world, vaccines didn't exist when these when the religious doctrines, if you will, for these particular, <laughs> these particular uh, uh, religions were, were, were first came about. So it just doesn't make any sense when they, when they start coming up with all this BS that, oh, I have religious objections to vaccines. Oh, really? Because 2,000 years ago, when Christ walked the earth, we had uh, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. I mean, tell me about that. It just doesn't, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really hold much water.
Well, of course. I mean, if some of these plagues could have been prevented, I mean, what was BC? Was the, the was the Black Plague? Was that before? Was that BC? Uh, the in Europe the, yeah. in the Dark Ages. No, those about eleven hundred AD or so. AD. Okay, so we can't use that um, Justinian plague just because I know that I like that one. <laughs> There's really no vaccines that came out. No, 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 no. I'm not referencing it. No, no, no. I'm not saying anything about vaccines. I'm saying when these actual, when these plagues, when they, they took place. What was, oh, yeah. BC? what was BC? Give me one that was BC. Anything. Okay. I Measles, just, flu. I just, named, I just named one and you said that it was 80. So. <laughs> yeah. You well, you're, you're, you're talking about specific pandemics. All right. Yeah. But, but like, one that was like one that was very rampant. Okay. Measles has been okay. rampant. So there was a measles epidemic, okay? And you, you you told him, you're like, hey, this whole thing could be prevented. Here, just take this this medication. Yeah, I mean, you know how many you know how many millions of people's lives would have been saved if we had a measles vaccine hundreds of years ago? Yeah, but think about how many more people there would be today. Well, that that is true. We would <laughs> certainly be more overpopulated than what we are now. You want to talk about a selfish reason? <laughs> that's that's it right there. I think I just found it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, just the, the, the rationale behind the, the objections for, for vaccination, including COVID just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Right. It really doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, oh, well. Mm. <sighs> so anything else in particular you wanted to bring up before we go on to something else? No, with that, I mean, no, there was, so... <laughs> We had the, the whole Trump thing uh, not being even talked about. I didn't read the article. Did you read the article? What was his, what was it? Was it talking about the, the Nobel Peace Prize? Israel United. Nominated. Yeah, he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for uh, Israel yeah. United Arab Emirates. Yep. So the, the, the article that I'm, I'm going to read from is from the Telegraph out of the UK. So here's the first sentence. U.S. President Donald Trump has been nominated for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize. Here's a second sentence. Norwegian far-right politician Christian Tybring Getty made the nomination following a historic peace agreement between the United Arab Emirates and Israel. And I'll just leave it at that in terms of how the article is written. Um, obviously, their bias is they don't like anybody on the right, especially the far-right. Um, but apparently, this guy has nominated uh, Trump, not just this time, but time previous to this hmm. so but I, I mean it's it's a good i guess it's a it's a fair point where i guess you could say trump tried brokering this deal between united arab emirates and israel um and i guess there's some other com uh no, yeah, companies other countries that are looking to follow suit in terms of trying to diplomatic or oh, holy christ opening diplomatic ties once again with israel like mm. what United Arab Emirates has, has done. So apparently the, the only other two countries in the Middle East that have diplomatic ties with Israel are Jordan and uh, Egypt, and now United Arab Emirates, and I think they're looking to open it up to other countries as well. So, I mean, it, it is rather historic if we can move in the right direction in that particular region, because that, that region's been a, a tinderbox for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Oh, thousands of years, for sure. Yeah. So, for sure. I mean, we can move in the right direction there. I mean, I think the world would be in a better place altogether, but it's a step but, in the right direction. But even, even, you know, you take a step that should be, you know, held in high regard and then it's just looked at as 
It's not even being looked at. It's just kind of something that just goes in the, the back section of the newspaper. You know what I mean? It's something that you would typically just thumb right through. You yeah. want to see what the headlines are. And the headlines right now, it's all about what did Trump fuck up today? <laughs> yeah. Really? And, and in some cases, it's just like it's these fabricated, nonsensical headlines. I mean, we talked briefly before we, we hit the, uh, the record button. And with this whole Woodford book that's coming out here called Rage, I believe it's called. So it's getting a lot of press. It's getting a lot of press. And one of the things that I saw was just basically the main headline of the day was how Trump downplayed COVID. And... Uh, Immediately, I knew, you know, he downplayed COVID and then all the why did he do it? And, and I, I said, before I even clicked on the article to read about it, I was like, I can tell you why he downplayed it because he doesn't want a nation to panic. And then the first paragraph, it goes on to say yeah, he downplayed it because he didn't want people to panic, which everybody criticized George Bush for his uh, junior for the way that he reacted when he was whispered in his ear when 9-11 happened. I yep. read his book and he said the same thing. He's like, I'm in a room full of little kids. The media says, you know, they want to say whatever they said. I mean, I'm fine with it. Just in regards to the people, like, I can't flip out in that, in that situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not only he's got cameras trained on him 24-7. So he's going to yeah. know, like, you know, like, if this dude, would you rather him flip up, like, jump up, run out of the room in front of a bunch of little kids? All of a sudden, those kids are, they're, they need 30 years worth of therapy. Yeah, and then and then you have uh, a different headline that's just as negative, if not worse. Right, president, 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 yeah. president loses cool, loses cool. President panics. Yeah, yeah, in front of children. Right. Yeah, so it's so you, you, similar you situation. Point. Right, similar situation where you just you know you're trying to keep keep a cool head. I mean, anybody that turned on a TV and especially when it hit Italy and saw just the procession of bodies being taken to crematoriums. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think at that point it's not up to the president to tell you if it's a big deal or not. It's just to use your own fucking head and say, you know what, shit's hitting the fan, right? Yeah, and. and and, and people just don't want to look at things like that. It's almost like people just, they can't rationalize for themselves and they want everything just spoon fed to them. Yeah. And this is what we were talking about. Was it last episode or the one before that, where, you know, the skill of critical thinking is just completely thrown out the window here in the United States. Right. You know, we, we, we talked about how people, you know, only get their news based on headlines that are written. And we all know how the media is basically not really writing objective headlines. They're writing, headlines for a certain reaction out of people and the American public just looks at those headlines and just forms their opinion right from reading one incomplete sentence at the very top of the of the, the article itself so they don't even open it I mean it no. could be an article that's I, I, I don't know I mean I'm seeing some articles that are like 15 paragraphs they're not even really that in depth but even even like something that might have an objective point of view isn't buried. It's buried until like maybe that 15th paragraph where it's like, Oh yeah, but there's also this other thing, but people typically don't read that much. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. Twitter is so successful, I believe. And so many people grab news from Twitter because it, it doesn't require that much reading. Right. It's something you can kind of scan through. It's maybe two sentences, 163 characters. I believe I could be off on that, yeah. but uh, I mean, there's not that much to make it so detailed that people don't want to pay attention to it. But I mean, it's a good way to kind of get the message across. And I think 
One of the first times I ever really paid attention to Twitter was when the whole thing was going on in Boston with the marathon a couple of years ago. Remember when there was the, uh, the bombing? Yeah. So it was interesting just because that whole thing was just, it was unfolding so quickly. So Twitter was interesting to follow because as we were updated, like it was just, it, it was fun to follow. I mean, it was as tragic as it was. It was fun to follow. I mean, look at this place, Boston, right? One of the largest cities in America. This shit happened. They closed it down, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to find this dude. Closed it down. And then as everything happened, everything was just kind of updated through like Twitter or whatever. But it was interesting to follow because you knew what step, you know, what was going on. And it was kind of easy to, to do. I mean, obviously in some situations, there's a lot of, behind the scenes movement right you're not going to know yeah. everything that's going on but when it's a manhunt like that it's a little bit different because they're getting updates and the dude's you know they're closing out so that's when it really kind of became interesting to me yeah um but i think a lot of people now i mean i feel like twitter's kind of fading out i don't know what the big thing is now well it's, i don't i don't think twitter's fading out i think twitter has really been <sighs> twitter's just really turned into kind of like a far left soapbox, I guess. It's ultra censored. Yeah. Tim Pool. I think we talked about this yep. briefly before, but Tim Pool. So he's 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 a fairly left individual. He went yep. on Joe Rogan's podcast, and they were speaking about how he, he was talking about how the right is is often censored in in regards to you know Twitter's social media platform and in their terms of uh, terms of service. But yeah, I mean, exactly. the thing is that you and I, we both get on these subjects and, and it sounds like we're these, these, these far right thinkers. And I think it, I'd like to really consider myself as an objective thinker because I think, you know, I see both sides of the argument, but it's like, if you try to see something that's not in the, the left's agenda or narrative, mm-hmm. you know, something that's in, like, for example, we talked last week about this, uh, the whole uh, Jacob Blake thing. Right. Yeah. And we were talking about how it is tragic and what happened. Yep. And, and I don't think any individual should should have seven bullet holes in their back by any stretch of the imagination. And then I'm going to use the word that everybody, you know, you, once you say this word, whatever you said before, it doesn't matter. So I'll say the word. But this guy did like, I mean, there was video of his, his basically a Zoom conference with the judge when he was facing sexual sexual uh, assault charges. Mm-hmm. Like those things didn't go away just because of everything else that happened. There was a reason yeah. that that law enforcement showed up. There was a reason that the police got called. There was a reason like uh, nothing happened without cause, right? There's a cause and effect. We learned that in elementary school. Yeah. But somehow, you know, it just doesn't fit anymore. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. No, it doesn't. It, the, the, the thought process with um, the thought process on the left is just, Basically, let's not have a discussion. And quite frankly, even on the far right it, as well, there's there's really no discussion, no really no real critical thinking about any any particular subject, no sort of meeting in the middle on how we can agree on something, how we can move uh, move beyond something. Uh, there, there's none of that anymore. It's either it's either right or left, and you have to be on one side or another. You can't be anywhere in the middle and kind of look at both sides. And say, okay, I see what you're saying. I like this idea. I don't like that, but I like their idea with what I don't agree with you on, on this side. Um, it's like right away you're, you're demonized by both sides as being 
as you know being accused of either of being either far right or far left depending on, on who's accusing you so it just doesn't it's just it's it's insanity it really is i mean no no real I, the you're right i mean you and i are probably more objective we try to be more objective with a lot of these things as best we possibly could um and yet like we'll still get we'll still get uh somewhat accused by somebody for being far right or far left it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> like you have to just kind of go down this this one one lane road and not ask any questions but like getting back to this book thing like it's not just about this covid thing i mean I understand, you know, like we, we just discussed his reaction, whatever, but then like, I'm seeing these countless like headlines. There's everything about it. Like this one I'm seeing Fauci says Trump's attention span is my, is a minus number. He only cares about getting reelected. Why is this even a story? Of course he cares about getting reelected. It's a fucking election year. Mm-hmm. It, it, any president would care about being reelected. That's all politicians care That's about. Getting what re-elected. it is. Right. Yeah. Because I'm, because I'm sure Nancy Pelosi is so concerned about her constituents, or Mitch McConnell is so concerned about his constituents out in, in Kentucky, they could give a fuck less about the average person in, in their in their districts. All they give a shit about is getting reelected. That's that's no different from from any other politician. Yeah, and I was just curious, like, why is this one book taking up so many headlines on like the front page of MSN.com or Yahoo.com or whatever? So it turns out Simon and Schuster, they're the publishers of this book. Mm. Do you know anything about them? I, I didn't no. until just now. But enlighten me. <laughs> they were quoted by the New York Times as being the largest book publisher in the United States with sales of $1.3 billion. Uh-huh. This was in the 90s. I'm sure the numbers haven't gone down. But when they're taking in that much money, They've got plenty of money to spend on advertising. They've mm-hmm. got plenty. Like, I mean, in these stories are good. Look at, for example, we were talking about even just boosting this, the, you know, this podcast, for example, right? Yeah. You want it to reach more people. If you spend a couple bucks, you can reach more people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, it's, it's, so it's that simple. So you follow the money, man. This is pretty much where it goes down to. Like, for example, like earlier in the week, there was that article. Uh, uh, what was it? The Atlantic. Is it a newspaper, a magazine? It's, it's, I think it's 10 episodes a year, so I don't know, semi-annual, whatever yeah. the case may be. But they had the, uh, what was the story? It was about Trump and, uh, shit, what was it? Why am, I, why am I having a brain fart on this whole thing? This was like the biggest story earlier in the week. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Trump, Americans who died in war are losers. That's it, yeah. So yep. <laughs> well, I couldn't remember that. So I was curious about that whole thing. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this something this dude would say? Because he's been pretty popular with the military. He's been pretty popular yep. with law enforcement, you know, public service uh, in general. But the thing is, is so I looked up, I was like, all right, so this is, this is coming from the Atlantic. What is the Atlantic? I didn't know anything about him. So I did a little bit of research. And what came up was the editor. If you find out who the editor of the Atlantic is, mm-hmm. if you go to their Wikipedia page, there's photos of them shaking hands with, president barack obama okay not a big deal right if they're they're in the media they're shaking hands with the president but look at who the source is so they cited i think three people i think they said said that he made the comment that people who died in war are losers or whatever but none of them are identified right Uh so who are they 
We don't know, but they could verify that he said it, right? There's people that don't like Trump that have said this this didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all it's all he said, she said. Uh, I, it I, is, but there's people that are just going out and, and I've heard how could anybody support this guy? Who, who, how could anybody support somebody who says that people who died for the country are losers and this and that? Well, we don't even know that it actually happened. So, yeah, why, yeah why, I mean, where, where, where are we going with this? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and I think a lot of it really comes down to like, just like we talked about last episode, how the media knows that the general public really doesn't use critical thinking and doesn't really question things, just like you're saying on the cause and effect. Um, how did this originate? Where did it come from? Who are these sources that are that are supposedly saying this or these anonymous sources? It just doesn't make any sense. I, I, as I've gotten older and I've, I've, you know, in my professional career, kind of going through the idea of when you're treating a patient, you need to dot all your I's and cross all your T's, not only for the sake of taking care of the patient properly, but also to cover your ass from a liability standpoint. So if you're going to suggest something, you need to suggest that, like, if, if you're going to make a, a legitimate uh, medical recommendation to take care of patients, you, you need to have the, the data behind it. You need to have the good reasoning behind it. Because if something bad happens to the patient um, and you just kind of made a recommendation, just, you know, kind of pulled something out of your ass, uh, you're in serious trouble. Uh, any lawyer is going, to, is going to absolutely tear your, your, your story apart. So unfortunately, when you're when you're in a position like this, you have to you have to act rather defensively all the time to kind of think the way a lawyer does and kind of say to yourself, okay, what proof do I have of this? Is it documented correctly? And one of the one of the most profound yet what seems to be common sense thing I've heard from one of my directors of pharmacy years ago is if it's not documented, it never happened. Yeah. So you need to document what you're doing to ensure that it was that it was done correctly, or that you made the recommendation to the to the physician, and the physician just didn't take your recommendation. Just to at least say, from a liability standpoint, yeah, I made the right recommendation. They didn't follow, so it takes the the burden off of you mm -hmm. for that. But when you have something like this, and people are just saying, "Oh, we have anonymous sources, and they they don't want to reveal their their identity," well, then if they don't want to reveal their identity identity why are they thro throwing themselves out there to 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 make such claims if you have the evidence for it then and and it's significant enough i think that's significant enough if he really said that then yeah he's he's a total piece of shit but show me the evidence for it because it has has serious implications altogether oh absolutely and, and it's not it's not just versus trump it's with any politician if you have damning evidence like that, then show it. Show it. Yeah, my oh, question honestly. would be like, if you had something that's going to totally shock the world, why wouldn't you? Any, why wouldn't you want to take the credit for it? Yeah, I mean, this is this is such this is such a society where it's you know it's got we've got this whole look at me, look at me culture, right? We were yeah. just talking about Twitter, yeah. and we could even go into Instagram with people taking selfies, and people want to take selfies, and if they don't like the way that their face looks, you could put on all sorts of fucking filters and, and all this other nonsense. So, I mean, people 
want to be looked at, right? People want to be celebrities. We're in this whole, you know, this is, this is how society is. So to say that there's three people that actually heard this, right? Yep. <laughs> Ear witnesses, we'll call them. <laughs> but nobody wants to take the credit for it. I find that very, very hard to believe. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with the Trump administration, not with the Clintons. So, I mean, with the Clintons, at least they would definitely hunt you down and kill you. Right. Um, if you die, Trump if they died, you know, it would be true. Yeah. Speaking of death, we haven't heard much of this whole, uh, what was her name? Maxwell? Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah. yeah. This is, whatever happened to the whole Epstein uh, trial? So, interestingly enough, and again, this is this is pure, pure conspiracy um or conspiracy theory i guess not necessarily a, a bad thing in this case but um you know yeah we haven't heard a lot about her but ironically enough we start seeing all these all these busts of kids that have been kidnapped and used as sex slaves and all this other stuff so you have to wonder so this was so this is something that somebody had brought up on on facebook just kind of like as throwing an idea out there like just like conspiracy, like I have no, I have no proof of this, but it is pretty interesting to say or to think that I know since she was taken to custody, now we're we're busting these these pedophile rings and rescuing these these kid these uh, kids that have been kidnapped for quite some time. Um, so I, I the idea that I brought up was maybe they're busting these low level pedophile rings in order to preserve the higher profile pedophile rings. Um, so maybe like these higher profile pedophiles or something are, are giving up these, these lower level rings, uh, just so to kind of say. Are you saying they're, they're saying, hey, look over here at this one. Meanwhile, this one over here is, is still operating in full function. Yep. Yeah, that wouldn't be beyond the, that wouldn't be beyond the scope of possibility. Yeah. And I mean, I have, have no proof to, to back that up, but the, no, you don't the, need it anymore. Yeah. The, the coincidence behind it is pretty, it's pretty striking. Let's put it that way. You don't need evidence anymore. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh-huh. And it's, it's an anonymous source that told me that one. So it's definitely repeatable. Oh, without a doubt. Highly yeah, reputable Twitter, source. It's definitely, definitely true if it's on Twitter. I'm buying. I'm buying it, and I didn't see it on show. <laughs> so there was another article that you actually sent me, and it was about uh, in Europe. There's a one in eight deaths are attributed to pollution. Yeah. So what do, what do you think of that? I read it, and my biggest takeaway was, uh, what is zoonotic? Zoonotic. Yes. Yeah. Good question. So. <laughs> uh, zoonotic or zoonosis is um, basically the spread of illness from nature into human beings. Which is um, basically from a bat to a human to coronavirus to everybody. In- yeah, so so we'll say um, like Ebola is a zoonotic infection because it's usually a virus that's passed amongst the animals in the wild. And once animals kind of break into that into that food web, if you will, then the virus gets spread to us. Um, so basically, it's it's a it's a a pathogenic organism that can get passed from animals or nature to human beings. And it After kind of reading, sounds a little silly, but that's that's basically what it's, what it is. 
No, no, no. And, and the thing is, is after reading the article, it kind of made me ask the question and it, and it brought me back. I think we talked about this maybe once or twice, but um, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but the uh, Game Changers uh, documentary that was on Netflix yep. and just and people eating, you know, getting to more towards a plant-based diet. Reading this article, it kind of made me curious as to whether or not I mean, I, listen, I, I'm a carnivore and a half, man. I love having steak. I love, I love, I like eating animals. Yeah. Um, but it made me question, are we supposed to be eating the amount of animals that we are? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I don't know if we have a good answer for that. I mean, if you talk to vegans and vegetarians, they'll tell you that we eat way too much animal protein. And I think there, there's some truth in that. Well, I, don't I believe think we that 100%. No, listen, I mean, we talk about how, yeah, you need to have protein because you have to, you know, to, to help build muscle and all this other stuff. But I mean, I, I've never seen a horse eat a hamburger and they're pretty fucking strong. Right. I mean, that, that's the argument that that's made on, that's made on, on that, that, that documentary, the game changer. So they have two instances where, you know, like one guy's a power lifter you know, to like, you're, strong as have you ever seen an ox eat meat no an ox eats grass and oats blah 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 okay fair fair assessment and then another guy he's like a former special forces guy i don't know if for south africa or, or australia or what the hell it is and he's like he's like you ever see you ever see uh, uh, a gorilla eat meat and he's like no they, they eat grasses mostly and fruits he's like and a, and a gorilla can rip the door off of a off of a car and will fuck you up in two seconds fair point we they also have beings. different digestive tracts, though, don't they? I mean, exactly. So food is broken down differently. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't all have the same the same enzymes. We don't have the same receptors for uptaking nutrients and all that other stuff. Yeah, we do have a lot of overlap between us and ruminant animals and carnivores and all this other stuff. We're somewhere in between. I think probably more so toward eating more of a vegetarian based diet. Now, does it mean that if we eat meat that we're going to die? No, obviously not. Um, human beings have been eating meat for thousands and thousands of years. Um, I think, I, I think we oversimplify that altogether. This idea that, you know, meat as a blanket statement is bad for you. Um, I think how the meat is raised, the different environmental pollutants that go into it, meaning like antibiotics, hormones, steroids, all that other bullshit that, that these animals consume that are forced upon them. Um, I think that we eat um, cows, for instance, are not supposed to eat really anything but grass. And yet they're fed um, thousands upon thousands of pounds of soy, corn, wheat, things that they're not supposed to eat. They're really not designed to digest that. And when they do eat that, they fatten up a lot faster. So you're basically getting a lower quality meat altogether. You know, people talk about, oh, well, my meat needs to be marbleized in order for it to have flavor. Okay, but what you're what you're not understanding is that you're you're not consuming the meat of an animal that was raised on its own native diet. It's like getting human beings and, and making them eat cardboard for a certain period of time. I'm sure we could extract some nutrient content from the cardboard, but we're not going to be healthy in the long term. Okay, no, it's as it would as be that. very angry because I can't imagine cardboard <laughs> would be very tasty. Just, just pour tomato sauce over it. it. Should be fine. 
Yeah, I mean, if that's the diet, pour some Prego over it as well. It'd be fine. Oh, Prego? What? Oh, whoa, hold on a second. What are you talking about, Prego? Yeah, sorry. No, no, no store-bought shit. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Did you hear this story about uh, this distressed kayaker on Lake George? He was saved by priests. Yeah, I, I saw the, the article they sent me. I read through it really quick. On a floating tiki bar. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was in Lake George. Pretty big lake in upstate New York. Yeah, it's a nice little vacation spot. Yeah. I know a couple of people that have gone there. Um, with everything is kind of locked down as it as it has been this year with this whole you know, the, the pandemic and not being able to travel outside of the country, or even if you are able to travel outside of the country, the whole quarantine thing and everything like that. It's just it hassles. But people are taking more trips just visiting places around New England that they might typically not have gone. And it's funny because I remember taking a lot of these trips when I was a kid. You know, this is you know, this is what we did. We went camping, we went to New Hampshire, we went to New York, you know, all over the place. And it's kind of funny because over the past I don't know, twenty years, twenty-five years, most of the vacations that you see, you're going to to the Caribbean and to islands and you know, getting passports stamped and everything like that. And you forget about these places, especially during the summer and just that, how beautiful New England really is. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't it's kind done of cool much. to see people getting back to those, those roots, if you will. Yeah. We haven't done much um, as a family since the pandemic uh, started out back in, obviously in, in the earlier part of this year, but um, we did take a couple trips to aquariums here in Connecticut. Um, so for instance, we went to the Norwalk, uh, Aquarium. Is it the normal aquarium? <laughs> yeah. Maritime Center. Yes. Norwalk. Yeah. The, the Maritime Aquarium. Uh, we went there back, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, month and a half ago. Um, first time I had been there in, I don't know, 30 years, I think. Uh, it was pretty significant. But my, my kids are both, both love aquariums and, and aquatic animals all this other shit so we decided to take a a trip there one day and then um maybe like a couple weeks later we ended up going to the mystic aquarium which is which is much larger and i had never been there um it was just it was cool to go to um but yeah it's you know it kind of forces you to to do things more local because you kind of don't know what the hell you're doing and then with connecticut you can't really travel anywhere without coming back and having to quarantine yourself for for a couple weeks so um yeah kind of forces people to do something new uh since my wife and i have been together for the past nine years we had never been to a connecticut beach i've been to the beaches in puerto rico more with my wife than i have to the connecticut beaches with her and we live in the fucking state so what does that tell you so one day we decided to take a ride out to to hamanasset and we just spent the day there with the kids just nice to get out yeah absolutely i went to hamanasset once this year yeah yeah um, I mean, Connecticut beaches are nothing to really get excited about, especially in comparison to Puerto Rico beaches, but whatever. I mean, when you can't really travel anywhere, at least, you know, our shoreline from where we live is about 40 minutes away. It's really not that bad. So right. if you want to, you want to go away for a few hours on a day, get in the car and just go. So better than like living in Nebraska and thinking yeah, you could go to the shoreline. Oh, I could never do the landlocked thing. I can imagine. Yeah. What's this? This is. Oh, the the girl is on fire. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's great. And I guess the police were trying to help. Yeah. And they're protesting they, the police. But the, well, yeah, but the, they blocked the police from actually going and intending to him. I guess your question, what do all these protesters have in their backpacks? Masks. They all have backpacks. Masks. Like like the 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 guy Fox anon, anonymous masks or N95 uh, masks uh, to help. Oh, okay, is that <laughs> what that is? It's got to be. To have their right gear in, in their backpacks too. Like yeah. said, like no matter no matter what protest you're looking at, ninety percent of the people have backpacks. Like like are you just coming happen to be coming home from school? Like what do you do? What, what are you carrying in your backpack? What's in there? Like is your laptop in there? Are you gonna fucking live tweet? from the oh boy and of course president trump on sunday shared a video of a portland protester accidentally setting themselves on fire set to the song footloose dubbing the scene sick (laughs) oh boy and and then he wonders why people just hate him (laughs) listen i i could appreciate a straight shooter i if anybody could appreciate a straight shooter so i get it i remember one time Maybe in January, I believe, I was in a, this is before this whole thing started and you were able to actually go to a bar and have a drink. So there was this place that I went to, um, had a drink and I think an appetizer or something. And the guy that was sitting next to um, whatever was on TV, I think it must have been something with Trump, but the guy told me he, he, that he went to college with him, that he knew him from school. Really? Yeah. I was like, so what was that like? He's like, the dude's fucking funny, man. I'm like, yeah, like he's like, he's like, guy doesn't drink, but he's a hell of a guy. And then like he's saying it as he's like raising his glass to him. <laughs> guy doesn't drink, but hell of a guy. He's a, he's a quote unquote hot shitter. That's what he said. That's the way he oh, described him. He's a hot shitter. Yeah. Sounds about right. I don't know, man. What do you think? He was a, he, he made his career off it, man. He was a, the host of the, uh, he was the host of the, the Apprentice. I mean, he was an entertainer. He had a television show, and now he's the president. And you think that he's not going to be full of controversy? Really? Well, I mean, he he had a, a multi-billion-dollar real estate empire. I think think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really how he made his name. I mean, granted, right. he took over the business from his dad and stuff like that. But yeah, you don't you don't become basically the biggest real estate mogul in one of the the most prominent cities on the face of the earth by being a super nice guy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is, so there's a new documentary on HBO about action park. Did you ever go to action park when you were a kid? Oh yeah. Yeah. So action park, if, if you don't know about action park, what, what was action park? Uh, It was, it was uh, basically water slides, roller coasters, about pretty much anything dangerous you could possibly get into or strap yourself into or jump off of that's right it was a water water park that wasn't governed by any kind of safety at all (laughs) at all i remember i went there i was probably 15 years old 16 years old and i was jumping off like a 25 foot cliff yeah i remember getting up there like it was my turn to jump and the the girl just looked at me she's like you can go and i looked i was like the person's still there yeah i just i waited and I'm like, then you jump because all the, you know, the quote unquote, the big kids are around there and you don't want to look like a little puss puss around them. Right. So, so I remember jumping in there, but it's funny because, you know, you, you look back at it and I remember 
there was also the alpine slide, right? It's it's not a slide. It's basically it's a skateboard with with a brake on it. If the brake worked. And I remember, you know, I, I was in line, I got up to the front and I was going down and I remember I, I still remember like there's these kids that were behind me, like a couple people behind me. And like I said, I was like 15 years old and and there was the kids that were there. They were like the high school, like the, the cool kids, you know, like, you know. Yeah. And they're they're screwing with each other and they got their girlfriends there and everything. And I'm just like the little little kid. I'm about to go into high school, you know. And so these these cool kids, you know, they're they're talking about how, you know, how fast they're gonna go and whatever. So like I said, I was I was ahead of them. So I started going down one of them. And I remember like I was scared to go fast. So I'm like, basically, I'm on this, I'm on the brake. I'm riding the brake the whole time down. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I just I hear like the rollers on this other one. It's coming up on me in the track next to me. And I'm just like, all right, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of it. So I'm going a little bit faster. And I see like there are these kids going down and like they're kind of like U-shaped tracks that these, these, these coasters, if you want to call them that, whatever, these little carts they're in. It's like a little kind of little, little half U. And this thing must have gotten speed wobbles because I remember seeing it rock from left uh -oh. to right. And all of a sudden, this thing just shot off the track. The kid was on it. Like, they just went. And I'm just like, I'm going. I'm hauling ass. And I look back, and I see him go off. I see him in the cart. They're, like, three feet apart. They're in the air. Holy shit. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> good. Dude, I, I think I was white-knuckling it, like, pulling the brake up that hard, like, hard, like, the rest of the way down. But... I remember I got to the bottom and like the people were on the radios and everything trying to, to work a straight way to get up there. Right, and, trying to revive his lifeless body. Yeah, basically. And, and watching this documentary that's on HBO, you see that some people, there was, there was a guy that he died on that, on yeah. that ride. I mean, I, I'm, I'm seriously <laughs> doubting that was the same time, but which goes to show, I mean, how, how many times this must have happened where people were yeah. flying off this thing because I witnessed somebody do it. Somebody else did it and died. God knows how many other times they did it. Yeah. So all these other things. So basically the moral of the story is the owner of this, this, uh, this place asked Donald Trump to, to become an investor and help it expand. Really? And even, yeah. And Trump was like, nah, not a fucking chance in hell. <laughs> yeah. You know? See, I, I like I like water parks. I probably like water parks better than than amusement parks. Like I'm I'm not really not a huge fan of of uh, roller coasters, but I like I, I just like water slides. I I I I think they're a lot of fun. So at Action Park, they had this one. I I don't remember what the hell it was called, but basically it's a tube that you just go down, and the tube is basically just pitch black, and you don't know what the hell's going on. And you're hauling ass down this tube. And then literally it's like you're, you're born again into, into the world. And before you can say, holy shit, you hit the water at like terminal velocity. <laughs> that happened to me once. I was like, I came out of there flailing my arms and I ended up hitting the water and like hyperextended my shoulder or something. I was like, fuck, I think I separated it. <laughs> skimming across. Well, that's one of the things that we're talking about is like some of these, like the the uh like the 25 foot jump into the water they tell you you're supposed to keep your your arms tucked in right yeah because i guess the speed that you hit the water if your arms are out it could dislocate your shoulder 
but there was people they would just would. And then not only that, but a lot of the, uh, like the pools that they were jumping into or where the slide, the water slide ended up like going into a lot of these, pl- the, these pools at the end, they were fed by a natural spring. So the water's fucking cold, regardless yeah. of what time of year you go, the water is going to be freezing cold. Yeah. So they're, they're just, so people are like, they're, they're shocked because their arms are basically ripped out of their torso. And then they're also shocked because they're freezing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. If you, if you go on cardiac arrest, at least the water's cold enough to kind of preserve your, your brain material. Yeah. But cardiac arrest isn't one of the reasons that they discussed for any of the, the, the several individuals that perished there. One was, I think in the wave pool, um, I saw that they ended up painting the bottom of, of some of the, uh, the, the attractions because it made it easier to see people. Um, somebody died in like the wave pool. I mean, there's footage of the place and it's, I just, it's very nostalgic. It's very nostalgic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's just, uh, that was a, that's a, after a while they renamed it to like green mountain, something, the green mountain theme park or something like that. Basically the same, same rides, just different, different name altogether. Years ago before, so it was right before I started going to college, uh, to pharmacy school, we took a family trip there. And by family, I mean like all the cousins in my family. We were like 20 to 30 deep. And we're just like uh, like a, 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 an entourage of us going on these, on these slides and on these rides. It was just pretty funny. And we just had a, an absolute blast. It was just so much fun. One year we went to Six Flags here, up here in Massachusetts. Just so much fun getting everybody together. We keep talking about, you know, trying to do something like that again. But everybody's got kids now and just we're all over the goddamn place. So it's hard to try to try to herd all the cats together to coordinate schedules. But Well, of course, of course. But the times when you're able to when you're able to get it all on the same page, man, is it fun? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. We, there's uh there's this one there's this one uh one water ride at action park that it was like you basically just get in tubes it's 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 not like a lazy river but it kind of is oh my god yeah they talked about there there's a whole part of the the document the documentary <laughs> that that talks about that and there's basically talking about the fist fights that used to start on this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> there's people talking about how there was basically people getting out of the tube standing up and then just going to blows in this whole thing because it just it wasn't really a lazy river. <laughs> it wasn't no, very lazy. It, 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 it was, it was much rougher than a, than a lazy river, but it was just a ton of fun. Um, I remember getting into it. So I had my tube and um, I, I turn around kind of like with the intention of putting the tube down with my ass in the water first. But like I was facing, I was facing the crowd as opposed to facing the direction that the, that the rider was going to go in. And when I did that, the water caught the front of my tube as I had it under me and it basically pulled it back. And I ended up falling in the water face first, <laughs> sitting there, like almost drowning in like, I don't know, four inches of water. But yeah. anyway, it's a great, I, I recovered. Watch. Yeah. It's yeah. a great watch. I recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Those, those were the good old days. It was. It was. It was. So bouncing around these topics here, what, do you, what else you got? No, I, I, I 
kind of wanted to expand a little bit on that on that European thing. Okay. Um, so what do you think about that? One in eight people dying due to the environment. I, I don't really. Or due to pollution or whatever the hell they're. they're I didn't realize. I, yeah, I didn't realize Europe was so bad, to be honest with you. Not that I paid that close attention. I'm not, I'm not an environmentalist by any stretch of the imagination. So my whole question was like, when I saw it, I was like, wow, is it, it's that bad? Because typically, I mean, you're seeing Europe. So typically when you're, see, you're hearing about poor pollution and something that might have adverse health effects, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Asia, to be quite honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Asia is significantly worse than, than Europe is when it comes to pollution and stuff. So like if they're that. saying one in eight in Europe is attributed to pollution. What do you think it is in Asia? I don't know. One in two. <laughs> yeah. 50% of your, your death. One in 1.7. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really have a chance to dissect the article to kind of look into it. I mean, I read it and I was actually surprised how short the article was. And you said that it was basically, it was off of another, um, Another article. It was like a research paper that was like 172 pages or something like that. I believe. Yeah, it, it didn't even seem like a research article. It was more like, a, I don't know, more like, a, a, I don't know, something written by an environmental group in Europe, which the, isn't really a research article as far as I'm concerned. This doesn't really make much sense. But I'm the, actually curious. The, where did you find it? it? It just. I was reading another article on Yahoo News, and then I just happened to see the headline. I was like. Well, me click on this this seems interesting i was like one in eight people in europe are, are that are dying are from are from pollution or the effects of, of climate change supposedly i don't know i i just don't yeah, I, I was just curious because i didn't uh, you know i kind of skimmed through a couple of new sites and i didn't see anything from well, that or anything regarding that well it's just it's it's fascinating because like one of the things they highlighted in the article um about the research article was Oh, you know, for instance, people with asthma have more adverse effects from air pollution than people without asthma. No shit. Yeah. No shit. I have asthma. Um, I'm pretty good all year round, except when it gets to this time of year and there's the ragweed comes out. Yeah. And then, you know, I have difficulties then. Yeah. But they're, they're saying like this is a new phenomenon as if like, climate change is the reason why asthmatics are having bad reactions and all this other stuff. No, that's actually been going on for quite some time with or without pollution or climate change. Um, so it just, it just seems like the, the, the flavor of the article or the flavor of this particular research article, if you will, isn't necessarily looking at the adverse effects that are occurring to people um, it's more so like a, another call to arms for climate change and things that we should be doing to prevent climate change and all this other stuff. Yeah, let's throw that on the pile of, of other shit that we got going on. I, it, look, I, this has been a 10, 15 years. And say, you know, even when you and I were in, were in middle school, high school, whatever, you know, there's there's a push to to ensure that we we maintained a, a clean environment. I don't think anybody has any objection to that. Like, I don't think anybody is for polluting the environment. Just right. I mean, we had thing. even cartoons. What was that? Uh, what was that superhero that we had? That was the recycling fucking guy, Captain Planet, something like that. I don't know. It's yeah, but I mean, uh, there was always a push. I mean, 
I remember being in the eighties growing up and that's when like the whole push to begin recycling started. I remember I thought I saw that blue bin show up on our front porch. I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then I was like, I, right, this is just another thing that I got to take outside. Never mind." <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> because they teach about it in school and that's when the whole idea of recycling, it started to kind of come into fruition. And then, you know, and separating your trash and everything and what could be recycled and what couldn't be recycled. And like you've had this belief that you're really making a difference and maybe you are making a difference, but for the amount of people that are on this earth and the amount of trash that's generated, I don't really don't know if we are. I mean, it's great if we are, we could slow it down for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a great thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's a collision yeah. course, I believe. And it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that has kind of swung in, in one where the pendulum has swung in one direction altogether, where, you know, back in the fifties and sixties and even late forties, you could say, I mean, like environmental pollution was running rampant with, with industrialization uh, throughout the world altogether. I mean, like, you know, rivers, whole rivers, lakes, streams, ponds, just being completely contaminated and polluted with chemicals and industrial waste and all this other shit. It's just a, a, a real fucking disaster. And I don't think anybody really had a good grasp on what kind of an effect they were having on the environment then. Yeah. Um, I think with, with good regulations, I think um, we kind of, we curbed that all to, not we curbed it all together, but we minimized that as best we possibly could. Um, even the pharmaceutical industry has, has really been conscientious about this and really trying to reduce their, their, their wastage of, um, of you know byproducts in in production of medications and stuff like that in terms like wasting this stuff into public public um uh water systems or whatever uh trying to minimize that altogether there's big push for that within the pharmaceutical industry i think they're they're doing a pretty good job of that and it's it's a good idea i'm I, no, nobody's going to have any objection to it i don't want other fucking medications in my drinking water if you do an analysis of, of public drinking water, I'm sure you can find all sorts of medications that are in there. A lot of things that you will see is like, like birth control, um, like birth control molecules that are in there. Um, antidepressants, like, like, uh, uh, what the hell are some of the, some of the, um, antidepressants shit. Oh my God. I'm so, so far removed with these. I can't even think of some of their names. Antidepressant, um, you got Lexapro, uh, yeah, yeah, Prestige, Lexapro, um, Alexa, some yeah. of the older ones, um, Xanax, would that be considered one, or that's anti anxiety? Yeah, more of anti anxiety, like that's even like Mummy's the, Little Helper found her second way into the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> like cholesterol medication. So they're they're all in public public water supplies and stuff like that. So it's just, I don't know, this this idea that, um, there, the, so what I'm trying to say is that the pharmaceutical industry has made a big push for that to ensure that that they're not polluting public water supplies. But it's it, my point is that it's gotten significantly better than what it was back in the 50s and 60s. Um, but now it just seems like it's being swung in the complete looking for the for the complete destruction of industries altogether uh, mm -hmm. for any sort of small pollution that that's occurring and stuff like that so it just seems to be blossoming um, yeah. with this so it just seems a little extreme in some cases 
that's that's that. So that's, that <laughs> seems what the basis of this particular article is about. And like I said, the report itself is about 172 pages long. Yeah, um, you uh, you sent it to me, but it was kind of late. I, w- I wasn't able to uh, read 172 pages in the hour before this uh, podcast began to uh, really see what it was about. So I tried to go through the Cliff Notes version of it, and like you said, it was um it was written by somebody who's just basically doing just that and giving you the clip notes yeah me you don't you don't you're you're not a speed reader no no i wish i was (laughs) you don't you don't read vertically top to bottom right to left yeah (laughs) well anyway we'll we'll post the link for the for the actual uh research paper so people can read it at their own leisure yeah, definitely. Form their own. Uh, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I encourage that. Mm. I encourage that. Um, jumping topics, though, here in our entertainment. Uh, oh boy! Section of, of the podcast here. So the uh, the the uh, the Oscars, the uh, Motion Pictures Academy. They uh, they announced an inclusion requirements to take in effect in twenty twenty four. So there's four categories. I'm trying to, uh, yeah, on-screen reputation, excuse me, on-screen representation themes and narratives, creative leadership and project team, industry access and opportunities, and audience development. So anything to qualify for best picture has to have basically be able to check off two of these four boxes. Yeah. So of all people to sound off on this, no other than Kirstie Alley. Haven't heard that name in a while, now have you? No. But I listen, I thought this was the best thing because Hollywood needed to hear this. And from anybody, it might as well be as crazy as Kirstie Alley. You people <laughs> have you people have lost your minds, the actress tweeted on Tuesday. So basically, uh, she went, this is a disgrace to artists everywhere. Can you imagine telling Picasso that he had to, can you imagine telling Picasso what he had to have in his fucking paintings? You people have lost your minds. Control artists, control individual thought, Oscar Orwell. Wow. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it needed to be said. Good for her. It did. And, and, and good for her because she hasn't done anything in years and nobody's heard her name. So she, she got in the headlines. Well, we're certainly not going to hear her name. Move now from no, there. no, she's a hundred percent going to be canceled. Um, Mark, hundred percent. She's going to be canceled. I mean, not that she wasn't canceled years ago. I mean, she's 69. I don't think she's done anything. She really? Cheers. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Had no idea. That's crazy. Yeah. 69 years old. Hasn't done anything. I don't know. Since cheers, which is, I mean, it was the most successful television Sick, um, show of all time. <laughs> it was. I mean, uh, Seinfeld's a close, set, close up there. Mash is also close up there. Yeah, but but I mean, everything like all the sick. Well, everybody loves Raymond. Was one of my favorites because I was, I could easily. It was a great show, but it is nowhere I, near I on the level of this. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Chairs was just fantastic. It was just, you know, like uh, typical, typical guys and gals that 
that frequently attend a specific bar and you know they all yeah. know each other and bust each other's balls about different stuff and uh, just great yeah. show altogether. How big was Cheers? How big was oh, Cheers? It was so big that it was even res- referenced in Seinfeld, which we just mentioned was another huge one, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't know if you remember, there was the issue where like, they were trying to sell the television show, George and, uh, George and Jerry. I don't, so, I don't remember So they that. kept going back to the, the, uh, the guy that was in charge of uh, NBC, and he was trying to get, quote-unquote, Ted Danson money. Uh, That's how much George wanted, Ted Danson money. <laughs> oh, man. I, I tell you, it, Chairs was just great. Norm, the, the character Norm was, was funny as hell. You just come up with some some great one-liners, like for yeah. instance, uh, you walk into the bar and uh, and uh, Woody Harrelson's character be like, "What the hell was Norm's last name? I forgot what it was." He's like, "Hey, Abrams. hey, was it Abrams?" No, that was the guy from This Old House, <laughs> Norm Abrams. Yeah, I forgot that was, but like he'd walk into the bar and everybody would yell out his name, Norm, and then uh, and then uh, Woody Harrelson's uh, character would ask him. Hey, what's up? And he's like, my my ideal body weight if I was eleven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great show. I, I actually I added it to uh, I added it to my Netflix queue, and uh, I don't even know if it's still on there anymore because I think I added it to my Netflix queue maybe three years ago, and I never started watching it. I would always get sidetracked and watch something else. But that would be a great one to watch. Do you know how many seasons it was by any chance? No idea. It had to be from. When did it, well, the last episode was somewhere in the early 90s, right? 11, 11 seasons. Uh, I think it went off the air, uh, went off the air May 20th, 1993. And it's funny because I was going to say 1994 before I saw this because I remember being in middle school and I had this, this course that was industrial science, I think isn't what they called it. Yeah. Um, All right. But I remember like one of the things that they did, like we, we had to build these roadsters and they were powered by like a CO2 cartridge oh. and you had this thing that like basically slammed down and it burst off all like both of them at the same time. And whoever won, it was, it was a drag race. Yeah. So I remember, I, I don't know why this, you know, sometimes you hear like certain topics or whatever and, and like in your mind, it brings you back to a certain place. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Yeah. Like the sense of smell does that too. Yeah, some smells like if I smell it, I'm like I remember being a child and like smelling it for the first time. You you mean like tequila? No, uh, I was actually thinking it's weird, but like you know, like those rubber floors with like the little circles all over them. You might see in hospitals, elementary schools, whatever. It's a it's a it's a rubber tile, and it's got like these little circles on top of it. Like Like that's grips. That's the grips. Yeah. 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 But I remember the smell of that in when I went to my middle school. It was only like the third or fourth year they, because they did a they did an expansion on it. They built a they built onto it. They you know they built an addition, and the new section of the building still had that new rubber floor smell or whatever. So it just brings me back to it or whatever. But anyway, getting back to that because it's the same school. But I still remember where I was, and uh, I had recently, like, I, I think that would be, like, one of the shows that I watched with my, my parents at night, you know, like, after soccer practice or whatever. I just yeah. kind of hang out, watch, watch TV with my parents, and that's one of the shows that I started to watch, and it was, like, this, the last season. Yeah. And I remember, I remember the, I had something to do 
it might have been a hockey game or something but i wasn't able to watch the final episode and my mother and my mother taped it for me yeah she set the vcr tape you know what i mean set the vcr and then and then recorded it and i never watched it really never watched it yeah yeah i remember that i i clearly remember watching that that one episode and um not not that it was sad but it kind of was it's almost like it's almost like uh it's 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 like a piece of american history to be quite honest like that's how popular that show was and how Yeah, and just like how how much it really portrayed what America is. Just like, you know, your average blue blue collar workers going to a bar just hanging out, kinda of shooting the shit. And yeah. just it being really funny. So I liked it. Yeah, what's funny to me is like the whole setting of it. It's almost like it's supposed to be like a dive bar. Yeah. But that's not at all what dive bars look like. No, not at all. <laughs> The place that looked almost like a city steam or something like that in Hartford. Yeah, exactly. Yes, especially in Boston, you have to think. I think they're they're right up for a place that size. Oh my god! Speaking, <laughs> it's funny that we're using that as a reference because that place, the the place that was used for Cheers, that downstairs where they put that that bar, actually just recently closed. I think. Did it really? Yeah. That's yeah, couldn't stay afloat. It's this this whole COVID thing, man. Yeah. So makes me wonder, like, what's your interpretation? Like, so should businesses be able to open? Um, I, I mean, there's there's a way of doing it. Because I feel like I mean, it gets to a point where it's 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 your responsibility, right? I mean, if if what I mean by that is like if if you were gonna be the patron, right? Yeah. You're accepting all risks, right? Yeah, that's true. Listen, I, I mean, it's a, it's a strange comparison, but I'll make it anyway. Like somebody who smokes cigarettes, right? Uh-huh. You're, you're allowed to do that. You know, how many people, you're, you're in the medical field, how many people per year die from cigarette smoke? Cigarettes in general a or lot. tobacco. We'll say tobacco in general, whether it's for chewing tobacco, smoking, cigars, dipping, whatever the case may be. Yeah. A it's a lot. It's a lot. So do you think it's plus or minus the amount of people that have died from coronavirus? Oh, it's significantly more than... Significantly higher, right? So yeah. my, my point is, is that people are still able to go and, and buy cigarettes, right? Or tobacco products. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the big difference is that cigarette smoking isn't contagious. <laughs> There's secondhand smoke that can certainly right. occur from it, but... Um, the, the long-term effects from cigarette or secondhand smoke or the, the short-term effects of secondhand smoke does not even come close to what, what can happen to you with coronavirus. Um, I know, but what what I'm doing, I'm going back to, it's your responsibility. It's a personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, if you're going to a bar, you're accepting the risk that this is something that could potentially happen. Yeah. Yes. You, you definitely have to understand that you are taking that risk into your own hands. Um, I think it's beyond just personal choice um, in terms of trying to help curb the spread of this, because the, the biggest issue associated with a pandemic is not, is not necessarily just the healthcare um, the healthcare issues associated with it. Um, it's the societal impact that can occur. 
so like what we saw early on in the year early on when the when the pandemic broke out was you know hospitals especially in new york city being completely overwhelmed with covid patients um sure did we see a lot of deaths from it yeah could we have seen more yeah i think if we did it would have been even more devastating than what it was but let's say for instance you have a good portion of your population that gets sick and they can't work your economy is definitely going to take a huge hit from that so the whole point of all this is not necessarily to prevent people from getting sick but to slow down the spread as best you possibly can so you can still have somewhat of a functioning society, especially in the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, by reducing, and, and it kind of sounds counterintuitive because if we looked at something that took the biggest hit, it was definitely the economy. Could the economy have gotten hit a lot worse? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it could have been completely shut down altogether. If you're talking about hospitals being completely overwhelmed with patients for months, not only weeks. Um, so those those are all things to keep in mind. But I mean, at this point here in Connecticut, and I kind of use us as as like the I guess you could say as the 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 case for this in terms of what was done right. Um, I think we did things right early on, where now we have a little more lib- uh, liberty in doing what we want to do. Um, are things back to complete normal? No. Um, do we have businesses opened up for the most part? Yeah. Uh, especially when you're talking about restaurants, not a lot of indoor seating still at about 50% capacity. I think it's reasonable at this point in time. Um, but then again, you go to some States down South and they haven't done anything and they're like, yeah. Georgia was getting absolutely hammered left and so right. Thing, like, like Florida was getting hammered too, but I mean, I, I've got a friend that retired. He moved down there and he's been telling me like, business as usual for his part of florida yeah i mean i know like places like miami dade where it's just it's it's a more it's a more densely populated area these are these are the places that we're tending to have more problems with which has been pretty much for the most part the entire time yeah so i i don't know i mean i think the next couple months like what are the hot spots right now um, I mean, Georgia has been a hot spot, although I think their case count is starting to come down. Florida, we haven't really heard much about Florida recently. I mean, I know their cases are still relatively high. Yeah, I, I know it's a hot spot because they were talking about coming up to Liberty Week, and the, the big fear was that all these people are traveling to Florida, and it's a, still a hot spot, and they're going to basically bring it back to wherever they were from and kill grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what the story was. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, sounds about right. Um, I mean, we haven't we haven't really heard much about any new hot spots here in the U.S. Um, other than, I mean, southern states are still getting hit pretty hard, but not as bad as it was over the summer. Um, I think it's it's starting to to kind of to cool off a little bit. Um, I fear that here in the Northeast, it, we're going to start getting case counts increasing uh, in the next few weeks. Yeah, but are the case counts like? basically kind of like we were last last spring or are we going to be getting case counts up higher because a lot of well that would actually make sense people people are going back into schools yeah you know in in may in march rather people were were pretty much in schools and then just coming out and that's when we saw our big major spike in connecticut well it's it's pretty interesting because um 
you know, my, my wife being a teacher, just being back in the, in the classroom starting yesterday with students, um, she, she told me about some of the behaviors that students have had. She's like, you know, my students really haven't, they haven't even talked. Like they're, they're almost terrified of talking and they all have masks on. She's like, the students are, are basically supposed to eat their lunch in the classrooms. She's like, no students took lunch. Um, she's like, I, I think they're, they're, they're just terrified of, of some of this. So I, it, to a certain degree, it's the, the precautions around it. I think that people are taking is good, mm-hmm. but we, we've already seen cases of school districts um, closing down once again, because of one, you know, a student here or a teacher there have come down with COVID yeah. uh, literally within the past day or so. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what's interesting about what the, your wife's observation just in regards to, you know, kids being scared of it. It could also be just the fact that they haven't had any social interaction in so long that they pretty much forgotten too. how to do it. Yeah. I mean, especially what are the ages that she's typically dealing with? So she's like middle school, a, junior high school. See, and that affects them at that age. Could you imagine yeah. even younger? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear, hear somebody's take. Um, if you want to share your experience, feel free to write in. Ocho in the Civ at yahoo.com. Maybe, maybe I'll have Miss Rinaldi Gonzalez on the, as, as a guest. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear from her, especially going back to school. I'd love to hear her take on it. Yeah. Put her in the hot seat. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask her. See, yeah, next time you see her, if, whenever you see her, just ask her. Yeah, I'll see if I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe tonight if I in see the her. Next, yeah, over the course of the next week if you see her. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't got much else. You got anything? No. All right. So uh, one last, uh, one last little feel good story. Joseph, Joseph Griffin. Um, I forget where it was. I believe it was Florida. He was jogging. Um, he was stopped by police officers because he fit the description of a, of a robbery suspect. I believe it was. He's African American. They said that he was wearing the, the suspect was wearing a white tank top, um, black shorts, he was detained. Um, I've only kind of glanced over a couple articles, so there's probably more to the story, but in the end, it's got a happy ending. So he, um, he was detained. He was placed in handcuffs while they kind of ran through everything. I guess his background, he, he was involved in the military police in his time in the, uh, in the military. Um, while everything went on, and he, was, he says throughout the, the couple articles that I saw that, that he kept his head, um, just tried to, to relax and, you know, basically which might be tough um, in, in yeah. the recent, uh, recent climate uh, of everything that we're seeing uh, on the news and everything with uh, police and, and, and black, uh, black individuals' interactions with one another. But in the end, uh, he was released. And the, I think it was the, the chief of their police department offered him a job right on the spot to, uh, to basically hold... Uh, racial interaction courses or whatever something something along those lines so it's pretty interesting oh, okay that's interesting oh, that's cool that's good yeah that's 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 an interesting story it's a good good way to i guess uh, end on a good foot uh yeah i guess end on a good foot um i did have one one uh funny thing to end the show on so um you know, we talked about about Kamala or Kamala Harris <laughs> and the appropriate way of saying her name, and we've yes. uh, we talked about Kamala, the the Ugandan giant. Yes. 
So, did you know that Kamala, both, the Ugandan they, they, bo- they both have different Wikipedia pages. They do. But did you know that Kamala, the Ugandan giant, his name is James Arthur Harris? Okay. So, technically, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris is, is, is Kamala a Harris. US wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome, that was... welcome to the show, Star Tits. That is fucking <laughs> hilarious. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, so our, our vice presidential nominee is named after a, a wrestler. Or is the wrestler named after her? Mm. Chicken or the first? egg, buddy? Star tits or moon belly? <laughs> Star tits, moon belly. Is that, your, that would be your call sign. Um, I can't even get into it. I can't even say, because you know, like everybody has their own, their own like call sign with the, with the secret service. Yeah. Like, like uh, I forgot somebody was Maverick, and like I, I forgot what, what uh, I forgot what they said. What was Obama's? I don't know. That's, no that's idea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, God, <laughs> this is we gotta know. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Trump was a crossfire hurricane for the for the investigation against him. Is that what it was? Yeah, that, that was the name of the of the that, that was like the code name for their uh, like the FISA warrants and all this other stuff against Carter Page and all this other stuff. So, yeah, Crossfire Hurricane. Yeah. So Bill Clinton was Eagle. Chelsea Clinton was Energy. <laughs> Hillary Clinton was Evergreen. Ever. <laughs> As in, like the Evergreen Club. Vice President Al Gore. His code name was Sundance. <laughs> what? Butch, Butch Cassidy was right next to him. <laughs> oh, God. What is Trump's presidential nickname? The Donald? Is the, wait, no. That's too obvious. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> I got the Donald in my... What what would your what would your uh, call sign be? Mogul. That's what uh that's what they called mogul. Uh, uh, Donald Trump was mogul. Yeah, it's a little too obvious too. So Kamal Harris would be the Ugandan giant. <laughs> that star tits or moon belly. Star star tits moon belly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I had star tits moon belly on the ground. Yeah, inbound ETA five minutes. Bernie Sanders was the intrepid. There's a Secret Service code name generator. Really? Yes. You want to play with it? Yeah. I feel like we owe it to ourselves. Absolutely. Find out what your code name is. All right. How do we do this? Um... <laughs> oh, as you're doing that, somebody had this this whole thing like uh, this is like kind of like your your code name or your like sexy name or porn star name. And it was like, you know, there was an, uh, a, a word after each month. So basically you picked like the month that you were born in. And then from there, the day that you're born on in that month, there was another description. Mine ended yep. up being sexy meat pie. I feel like it's fitting. Yeah. That's, that's what I said. Pretty, uh, pretty fair assessment. Um, what do you got for me? We have to uh, generate your very own Secret Service code name. Let's see here. Send me the link for that so we can uh, we can include that. Oh, we're uh, 
Hold on, you're coming for a ride with me. All right. So this is on the Washington Post. So this one looks really official because it has a guy standing by a limousine. That's obviously the, I mean, look at the tires. I think it's definitely. Jesus, so it looks like the limousine from, uh, what the hell is that, that, that Nintendo game? The, the Spy Hunter. Washington? Wait a minute, hold on. So you just you just go to this website and it just gives you a name. It doesn't ask you what your name is. It doesn't, this is stupid. That's pretty. Jimmy Rock Carter. Obama, Lockmaster. <laughs> uh, why? Why? Because he came in after Nixon. <laughs> All right, so we got Charlie there. Rep- Repairman. There you go. That's you. Next one is me. Star- oh, God. <laughs> I don't want that one. Any, I feel like there should be... Ones? I feel like there should be more to it. Like you have to like put in your name and say something about you or whatever. Just all right. Hitler. That's not going to be me. Toker in chief. Who is that? I don't know. Oh, that's uh, that's uh, was that Jeb Bush? Oh, it is Jeb Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Bridgemaster is Chris Christie. That's fucking <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So what do you do here? I don't know. What's your secret service code name? Jeb wants to know. <laughs> Ever ready? Code name generator 5000. Try it out. Well, I see a sad face. Oh boy, you just downloaded a computer virus from the North Koreans. Yeah, I don't know. This is... All right. All right. This one's the first one. So let's fucking... Let's go with it. Of course. Jeb Bush. <laughs> just that image right there. And them slapping hands. Yeah, Jeb Bush and Donald Trump. Yeah, give me five, buddy. Give me listeners, five listeners right now are just like, what the fuck? Oh, here we go. What is okay. your code name? What is your name? Go ahead. All right. Am I going with Ocho? Yeah, do, do your name. What generation do you identify? Oh, Jesus. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're a Gen Xer. I don't play that game. <laughs> did you run did, for president? Yep, sure did. <laughs> unit one. Unit one. <laughs> <laughs> just call you the, the big unit. All right. Who are you here? You Mike Siv. Uh, so they tell me. Uh, I'm a Gen Xer. Did you run for president? I was president of the roller hockey club at UConn. Then you did. Wonderful. True heart. Yeah, sounds about right. All right. Well, that's good. So we played that's our game for bad. the night. <laughs> So we got true heart in unit one. Yeah, I, I would, I, I literally would have died and gone to heaven if, if it came up as star tits. All right. Well, that's all, all right, I got. That's all I got too. All right. Enjoy. Be safe, everyone. Take care of Peace yourself. Out, everyone. Take care of each other. If you want to email us, Ocho and the Civ at yahoo.com. Anyway, bye, folks. Bye. Peace out.